two Super Bowl championships in three years for the Patriots. And they are now the dominant team in the NFL of the brand new century. Two Super Bowls this century. Let's go! Usually in the movies, sequels are supposed to be bigger than the original. The first one was so good, everybody wants more. Massive sets, exotic places, new characters, deafening explosions, and let's face it, likely a way bigger budget. Let's go! The New England Patriots Championship sequel in 2003 wasn't quite any of those things. 2001 was too hard to top. An underdog story with a backup quarterback ascending to greatness amid a backdrop of 9-11, a coach's tragic passing, and a new style of NFL team that would change the game forever. The 2003 Patriots may have lacked that theatrical flair that the 2001 Super Bowl champs had, but they wrote their own sequel in their own way. No longer the plucky underdog, theirs was a story of a fully functional football machine that ground up opponents any way it needed to in relentless pursuit of a championship while going through some of the game's best. Stifling defense, timely offense, and a knack for making the biggest plays when it was all on the line. That was who the 2003 Patriots were. Not a one-off, but a fledgling dynasty that was about to stake a historically long place atop the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go, baby! 2003 was a sequel, all right. But our characters were older, wiser, and better, but never losing the chip on their shoulders that gave them the underdog's edge and showed how 2001 was but a preview of what would fully come to fruition in 2003. Now, 20 years later, we're revisiting that historic season, hearing from different perspectives that were there to witness it firsthand and tell the tale, mixed with some of the most iconic sounds that defined the season. It will be a unique journey back as we follow the roots of the Patriots dynasty to the team's second championship season. I might do so, and this is a Patriots Super Bowl sound odyssey, 2003, the super sequel. The next one. That's my favorite. They are Super Bowl champions for the first time. The New England Patriots coming out onto the Gillette Stadium turf. This crowd has been giving this team a standing ovation for over an hour. This is more like a Super Bowl celebration than an opening day. The season after shocking the world and winning their first championship, the 2002 Patriots started hot, winning their first three games of the season after raising a banner against the Steelers. But they then lost their next four in a row, and that started an up-and-down season that would bottom out the two-game skid in late December against the Titans and Jets. That put their playoff hopes in doubt. Disappointing loss for the Patriots here tonight in Nashville, Tennessee. The fall to 8-6 after forcing the Jets to punt. A fumbled punt recovered by the Jets at the Patriot 20-yard line, and the Jets regained the lead on a field goal, and the Patriots were never able to recover. Very disappointing game. Scott Pioli, Patriots Director of Player Personnel. Going into the 0-2 season, you know, we knew that there were holes. We knew that there were limitations with our roster, and we didn't make the playoffs, which was really frustrating to us uh, on a number of different levels. But we also knew that we were setting, you know, the groundwork was being set for for this to be a good up-and-coming team. Paul Perillo, Patriots Football Weekly. They were way ahead of schedule, you know, with their performance in, in 2001. And um, it was, you know, in retrospect, fairly remarkable that that team was able to win the Super Bowl. So I think that you got an impression that everything had sort of been, you know, progressed to a spot that really it hadn't been. Nick Fitzy Stevens, Patriots fan and personality. Coming off of the shocking 
2001 Super Bowl victory, Super Bowl 36. I think everyone regionally was so high and so grateful, so blown away by what the Patriots accomplished that year that in a lot of ways the next season was gravy to Pats fans. 2002, like, hey, whatever you guys do, it's cool because you just delivered us a Super Bowl championship. But this being New England as well, our expectations can be a little high sometimes. In the final week of the regular season, New England avenged an earlier loss to the Dolphins with an overtime victory that capped off a 3,700-yard passing campaign from Tom Brady. Brady, touchdown to Toy Brown. And a 9-7 and record to finish the year while putting the Patriots back into playoff contention. The kick is good! The kick is good! It's good! And the Patriots win! Their playoff hopes would depend on a Jets victory over the Packers later that afternoon. And we are inside the Meadowlands here at East Rutherford, New Jersey. The New York Jets taking the field, and at this moment, they do not know their fate. Christian Fourier, University of Colorado. We need the Jets to beat Green Bay. They had already had it locked up. Ramon Jordan gets over, and a 6 for 6 for New York Jets. It's crazy how quickly the season just ended. You end the game with so much ex excitement and, you know, hope. And you're like, yeah, all we have to do is make the dance. Game's over. Everybody's high-fiving everybody. 30 minutes later, we all realized that the game was over and we the season was over. Matt Chatham, linebacker and special teamer. I think 2002 was just still part of the process, you know, where, where Scott and Bill were trying to get, get it to. And uh, it, it's just sort of a transition kind of period. We... We didn't do a lot of those little things down the stretch that we did in 01. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. I mean, we were worried about things we shouldn't have been worried about in 2002. I mean, I remember captain's meetings with Coach Belichick, and we, we were talking about what uniforms we were going to wear. It's like, we want to go blue on blue, you know? So how's that sound, Bill? And Bill's looking at us like, what are you guys talking about? And so our heads were, you know, I think we were still in the clouds because, I mean, as much as Bill could could you know sort of preach one game at a time and do your job and all that stuff human nature about becoming a champion it is hard to forget it's hard to forget and I don't think we could do that in 2002 despite not making the playoffs there were some silver linings to come out of the 2002 season most notably the emergence of rookie wide receiver Dion Branch who had 43 catches 489 yards and two touchdowns Brady quick slant fires over yeah. the middle caught First down by Dion Branch, the rookie. Terrific catch. Absolutely. With Chad Scott all over him. Sensational catch. Branch will become a vital part of two Super Bowl title wins. Paul Perillo. Branch was was terrific from, from day one. You know, he was one of those guys at training camp that you watched, and you we've seen a lot of training camps now together, and you can see these guys, you know, they stand out, they pop right away. Um, and Branch was one of those guys. So you kind of had an idea. This is this is the kind of receiver they like. They like to accentuate the slot guys, um, you know, that are more concerned with route running um, than necessarily the explosiveness. So he was he was a perfect fit, I think, for that for that offense. Deion Branch, Louisville. The most important piece was going into it, you know, having the opportunity to be drafted by the team that just came off a Super Bowl victory. Uh, just being around these guys and, and taking all that stuff in. Uh, being blessed to have guys like, you know, Troy Brown as my 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 captain, my leader. Uh, you know, obviously Tom Brady's the, the quarterback, you know, but 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 being in the room with Troy Brown and my our brother, the love brother who passed and left us, uh, David Patton, man, a guy who I love so much and respect so dearly and have taken a lot of things from him. But being blessed to be in that room with those individuals, um, 
to be a part of the greatest team and the greatest head coach, man, that was everything as a rookie. Um, you know, just trying to be a sponge. I didn't take anything from it. I, my most important piece, I want to do everything that these guys asked of me, and I, I tried my best to do that. Tom Brady showed he was no flash in the pan, but the lack of a playoff berth quelled any immediate talk of the team being a perennial contender after winning a standalone championship. That kind of gets me fired up, because yeah. I'm thinking, you know, what the hell do these people know? And obviously what Tom Brady did, you know, was remarkable. In 2002, I think Brady showed you that he, in fact, was going to be that guy. You know, a lot of people forget that he led the league in touchdown passes in, in 02. The defense, however, started to lose some of the pieces um, that were part of that that core because Bill brought in a lot of, you know, his guys, you know, the circle, the wagon guys that were kind of veterans in, in 01, big part of the team, tried to replace some of those guys, and it didn't work out. And, and I would say to, you know, the, the very short answer to your question, what happened in 02, they couldn't stop the run. They absolutely could not stop the run. Christian Fourier, University of Colorado. You know, we were 9-7, and seven, and it was interesting because Brady had so much attention and accolades after that, what was his second year in the league, winning the Super Bowl. Uh, and then uh, I remember we played the Pittsburgh Steelers. They had a great game, beat them. But then we finished 9-7. and seven. We lost like three games in a row. It was ugly. We were really fighting and scratching. And then nothing. So it almost felt like, you know, the whole Brady mania had kind of died down. Now, he was still a young, good-looking quarterback that had a lot of, um, you know, upside to him, but no one really knew what it was. Nick Fitzy Stevens. Entering the 2003 season, now we're at this sort of flashpoint, this very pivotal moment with these Patriots. Like, hey, is this Tom Brady guy really going to be something special in the long haul? Is this team going to be perpetually competitive? Or were they a flash in the pan who caught a little lightning in the bottle and rather now they more are an eight and eight, nine and seven type of team. Karen Garigian, the Boston Herald. Well, I think, you know, after they won that first Super Bowl, uh, to the shock of everyone, I think people sat back and, you know, looked at the team, looked at their defense and looked at this up and coming quarterback. And, you know, they were thinking, well, maybe, you know, maybe they can make more of this. You know, and especially with Bill Belichick as a head coach. There was talk about the uh, proverbial hangover. And with Tom Brady there and his mindset of always wanting the next one, it, you know, it seemed like that wouldn't happen to the Patriots. But it did. <laughs> and I actually think what happened in 2002 fueled quite a bit of what happened in 2003. Paul Perillo, they were banged up at by the end of it. Uh, I think Tom himself had a separated shoulder by the end and they fell short. I mean, championship medal you could see because that team just didn't have it, but they found a way to stay relevant right until the last game of the season. With a disappointing 2002 behind them, the Patriots front office led by Scott Pioli and Bill Belichick began building their team for the 2003 season adding outside linebacker Roosevelt Colvin and Tyrone Poole in March, as well as monstrous nose tackle Ted Washington to help solve their defensive problems against the run. Ted was just so big and so intimidating. Um, I had a, a great uh, interaction with him. I wrote a, a story, um, you know, about him, and you know, he was very reluctant to do the piece. He didn't talk to the media at all. And, you know, it's a big spread in Patriots Football Weekly at the time, and uh, we fast forward to the next week. The paper had come out, and he has the paper in his hand. 
and I had my back to him at the other end of the locker room, and he's walking toward me with the paper in his hand, and Andy Hart, who was working with us at the time, his whole face went white. Just, like, all of the color from his face. Like, he thought that the guy was coming to kill me. And he taps me on the shoulder. I turned around, and this is as intimidated probably as I've been in that locker room. He looks at me, and he has the paper in his hand, and he goes, thank you. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I just kind of, like, went, you <laughs> Like, I thought I was going to die. And and I said, "What you know, what, what, you know, what did you think that I was going to do? He goes, it's the first time that anyone's ever written a story about me that didn't have anything to do with my size. And that's all. That was all it took. His size was just so, like, omnipresent that that's what everybody wrote about. Um, you know, and he was not just, you know, a, you know, a big, fat defensive lineman. He was huge. He was like 6'6", with shoulders like aircraft carrier. Like, he was just so big. Scott Pioli. The free agent acquisition we had that year were, were so important. Even, you know, people don't mention a guy like Fred McCrary, who was important to us. You know, there were some other guys um, and some moves that we made. You know, getting Ted Washington was critical and having him play the role that we needed a big nose to have in Bill's defense. So uh, we went at it, um, and fortunately, what was starting to happen was the guys from the 2001 draft, I mean, the first two picks in the 2001 draft, they were maturing as well a year later, Richard Seymour and Matt White. And, and you mentioned a bunch of the other names in the 2003 draft. Um, they were good players, they were the right players, and the entire coaching staff really did a tremendous job. The team made the most of their draft picks in April with a number of rookies making immediate impacts upon their arrival and throughout the 2003 season, including starting center Dan Copen, cornerback Asante Samuel, tight end Daniel Graham, soon to be free safety Eugene Wilson, and speedy wideout return man Bethel Johnson. When you look at guys like, again, Ty Warren, you talk about how soon he started playing, Eugene Wilson, and yeah, Asante Samuel, Danny Copen, Samuel and Copen, two guys that made Pro Bowls. You know, not every not every pick hit, but a lot of them contributed in pretty significant ways. But of all the off-season additions, it was a certain hard-hitting safety from the Chargers that turned everyone's heads and truly changed the defensive dynamic. Fires to the end zone, intercepted in the end zone by Rodney Harrison! Patriots take over! Rodney Harrison signed in March, giving New England a superstar with a newfound chip on his shoulder that matched the kind of chip the Patriots had on theirs on the way to their first title. However, with longtime captain Lawyer Malloy already the strong safety, it was uncertain how things would play out over the summer as training camp approached. Harrison and Malloy appeared on a collision course in more ways than one. When we pursued Rodney, we didn't know how things were going to work out, right? It was, we just, we were in this mode of we were going to get as many good players on our roster that we liked and thought fit Bill's style of coaching and playing as we possibly could. We knew Rodney, we respected Rodney, um, you know, he ended up in a situation where he was let go, and we, we, we spent a lot of time paying attention to players that had been tossed aside because their salary got, you know, too big. I'm using air quotes for the team current, the, their current team that didn't see the value, and maybe it wasn't value, and they were going to take a pay cut. So Rodney gets cut. And we had no idea where the Warrior team was going to go. And that became so complicated, unnecessarily complicated for so many reasons um, in terms of the negotiation 
of trying to get his salary down, but that's another that's another whole segment, another story for another day. Paul Perillo, you could see again immediately in that 03 training camp that he brought a, a presence about him and an air um, of seriousness. You know, he was very competitive, like Tom. You know, on the practice field, that showed right away. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. Well, we wondered what was going to happen with Rodney and Lawyer. I mean, both being on the same team, uh, you know, basically the same guy. Um, a strong safety, an intimidator, a hard hitter. Okay, how's this going to work? And Bill tried to sell a two-safety package to us, uh, whatever. It, he, I forget what he called it, but Rodney and Lawyer on the field at the same time, one slash linebacker slash safety, and it was it was a little bit of a mess you know so and you could tell with lawyer and rodney rodney wanted to defer to lawyer because he had been here before and he had won a championship but rodney just isn't like that to his nature so he who rodney is eventually came out of course with you know his aggression and we all ended up knowing who rodney harrison was rodney harrison western illinois i was ready man you know my intensity i came in it was up to here because i was so bitter at the, the the Chargers, but I was so excited about my new opportunity here, and I and I heard the rumblings, and I heard, oh, Rodney's, why would you go out and get a safety this this age, this that and the other? He's not the same, you know. Where is he gonna fit in on the defense? So I love that. So I love when I heard a lot of the Patriots fans asking those questions because I told I, I told my wife I said they have no idea what they're in for. I'm going to come out here and ball out. Handoff comes to Griffin, trying to turn it wide to his left. Whoa! Whoa is he planted shit. by it's Rodney Harrison. Rodney Harrison, yeah. Deion Brett's Louisville. The addition of Rodney. Uh, training camp was a, was a joke. You know, Rodney came in and just wanted to inject his uh, his action passion and, 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 and the things that he wanted to actually set the tone for with his team. Being a new guy, uh, we, we, we were always aware of who he was. We just never played with him. You know, but just having this guy alongside us and him just actually us bringing him in and understanding this is our culture. You know, I think the most important piece that stuck out the most in training camp was the fight. Karen Garigian. Within the first 10 minutes, he, he basically laid out and leveled Troy Brown coming across the middle of the field. Now, stuff like that doesn't typically happen at all. I mean, you don't want to hurt your own players. But that was another jolt for the team. And I think... You know, if this guy was going to practice like a madman in practice and meant business like that, you know, others were going to kind of follow suit. You know, wake up. William Malloy's gone. Boom, here comes Rodney, you know, destroying people in practice. And I, I think it just hit home on a lot of levels. You know, from that point, that point in, in training camp and practice, we knew exactly what was what. Uh, these guys are always talking about gaining the edge on guys. The edge is always putting in that extra work, you know, for those who are always, yeah, we know we got to go out to practice. We got meetings and all this, but what are you doing extra? What are some other things that are you doing extra to try to gain the edge on on your opponents or your teammates? Matt Chatham. I mean, he was nasty and as a defensive player, I mean, I mean, I, obviously maybe offensive guys gripe and bite that and don't love it, but as a defender, you, you think that's awesome, right? So it, it's, it's exciting. Oh God, Rodney Harrison, you know, he's, he's, He's kind of a jerk in a good way, you know, like and that, he's like the kind of attitude that any defense would love to have. And, you know, he's a big personality, a, a big a big figure in the league. So um, we were just at a time where we were adding good players. It was just exciting to have somebody like him in the room. Nick Fitzy Stevens. I think a lot of fans were at first miffed because why do we need to replace someone who's still really good 
who's our guy. Like, we loved Lawyer Malloy. The Patriots went to a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl with Lawyer Malloy. He's our guy. Now here comes this other guy with this nasty reputation. He's a hard hitter, cheap shot artist. Rodney Harrison was one of those guys we loved to root against. He was one of the league's sort of villains, if you will. So we replaced one of our favorites with one of the league's villains. Ultimately, Rodney Harrison would become the quintessence of the guy you love to hate on every other team, but ultimately you're so glad to have on yours. The safety situation would finally come to a resolution just days before the 2003 season was set to open at Buffalo. To the shock of everyone, fans, media, and even the team itself, Malloy was released and quickly signed with the Bills, set to face the Patriots on opening weekend. Tuesday, Laura Malloy was the defensive captain of the New England Patriots until he was cut financial reasons. Thursday, he signed with the Buffalo Bills. Lawyer Malloy, safety. There was a lot of factors going into that. Uh, it was, it was, you know, uh, uh, I just over the weekend, I he gave me until the, you know, to that Monday. It was uh, over the weekend. I had a lot of time to process from my rookie year. You know, me, you know, getting the a chance to know Belichick, uh, to me vouching for him to be the the, 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 the coach to turn it around during my free agent year, um, to ultimately me being the first you know signee that he signed, um, going to my second Pro Bowl, in, I mean, uh, to I think it was my fourth Pro Bowl in, in, in five years at that point, um, uh, um, um, being a captain, you know, uh, being a, uh, 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 I guess a, a, a touchable figure in, 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 in the Boston community. Community, uh, all that stuff I had to process that weekend. I, was, I came back on Monday. I was like, I can't, I can't do it. Like you know, um, even if I did it, like I wouldn't be able to look at you in, in, the, in the face. And and that was my decision. Out of nowhere, as they're heading into the season, the news comes across the wire like early one random midweek afternoon during training camp. Oh, lawyer Malloy cut they didn't get anything for him this guy's a this is a member of the Patriots he won the Super Bowl just like over a year ago this is one of Brady's besties Deion Brett's Louisville the departure of a lawyer really showed me something and taught me something as I grew within the business of the NFL you get what I'm saying and that's exactly what it is you know for whatever reason things didn't work out between the front office and lawyer uh, that's something out of my control but me personally knowing that this is our captain on the defensive side of the ball, you know, a guy who I highly respect, uh, for us to lose him at the, the fashion and the manner that it went down, it really showed me something early on that, hey, if you don't actually do X, Y, Z, you will not be around too long. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. That's when, I mean, I was really, really conflicted emotionally. I, I talked to Sports Illustrated, and it might have been Peter King saying I was more loyal to my high school and my college than I was the Patriots because that's how hurt I was about, okay, this is how business is now. Okay, here we go. So you have that type of mentality, and I expressed it like that, but then everybody felt that way. Christian Fourier, University of Colorado. That one week when Lawyer was traded would still be one of the top five, five weirdest moments of my career just based on didn't really, I mean, I knew Laura, but it wasn't like, I didn't have this real hard, strong bond like the other guys did based on winning that first Super Bowl. And I never played against them, and, but I liked him. And I, it just was weird the way everything went. Matt Chatham. I think the quick lesson is, you know, 
anybody at any time can go. Right? So, and it isn't necessarily that you don't continue to be a good player. It's just fit or whatever it is the organization is looking for. Might be a cost issue or maybe something to do with on field. Who knows? But in that situation, he was a guy that had a ton of respect in the room, throughout the room, right? And he was one of our leaders. I think he just kind of put guys on notice that, uh, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. Um, they're not showing their cards and what it is they, you know, sort of see for the future of this team. Karen Gregian. I mean, there was a lot of why Bill Belichick cut Lawyer Malloy loose. Some of it was money related, but I also think it was like a wake up call. I think he, he needed to shock the team back into, re, you know, into look, you won one year, it means nothing, you know, and, and nobody is safe. So, and it did shock the team. They got croaked the, <laughs> the first week. But again, I do think it served a purpose. I just think it was the aftershocks of that abrupt departure, an unexpected departure that led to 31 nothing. And you know what? It's really nice to see this rivalry that started in the American Football League back in the 60s. This was the big rival for the Patriots, and the Patriots were the big rival for the uh, Buffalo Bills. But this has been redeveloped, and I think a couple of people have a lot to do with that. Maybe Drew Bledsoe and, and uh, Lawyer Malloy. With two former beloved Patriots and Drew Bledsoe and Lawyer Malloy now in Bill's uniforms. A nightmare scenario unfolded as Buffalo took the Patriots to the proverbial woodshed in a 31-0 knockout. Scott Pioli. Hey, right out of the gate, that, that was a buzzkill, man. There, there's no way around it yeah, because there was so much chaos. But we also felt pretty confident that we had not only the players but the leadership because that was another big part of our, you know, you know, our early success was the locker room was always such a really, really good place. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. So you go into Buffalo and you get your butts kicked, 31 to zero. The Patriots get hammered, 31 to nothing, and. I'll tell you what, it was as bad as it sounds because Buffalo totally dominated the game from start to finish. Uh, they came out, juiced up, whacked the Patriots upside the head in their opening drive, went 80 yards for a touchdown. The Patriots never fully recovered from that. You know, that was a little bit of a wake-up call for a lot of us because, you know, we, we started to learn about moving on and how this was when a player even moves on for someone that you thought you won a championship and this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the team we're supposed to have to continue on and this is the team we'll do it with. And no, it's going to constantly change. And, I, and we learned that really quickly. At safety from Washington, number 36, Karen Garigian. You know, here we are with, you know, Tom Brady's the new hero. And, you know, he had a so-so uh, 2002 season. He throws four picks in that game and got replaced by Rohan Davey. <laughs> Brady, not his day. Four times his worst in the interception department ever. And again, you have Drew Bledsoe on the sideline. So, I, there, you know, I I'm not going to say there was panic in the streets. But people were kind of scratching their heads a little bit after that game. Paul Perillo. I mean, everything that could go wrong in that game went wrong. They were thoroughly outplayed. They had no, um, they had no desire to be there. They didn't understand why Lawyer had to go. He's one of them now. As Bill Belichick knows what kind of player he is, but maybe he didn't anticipate it would be this bad this soon. I still, to this day, don't understand why Lawyer had to go. 
Um, it all worked out, obviously, but they had no zip. And this is an opening day game, Mike, that they didn't show up for. And they, they were not there. Now, Buffalo wasn't bad, but they weren't 31 uh, you know, better than the Patriots, as we found out later in the season. Nick Fitzy Stevens. It was a disheartening loss on so many levels. It's Bledsoe's revenge. Oh, no. Buffalo got one on us. As we've come to know, you know, the city of Buffalo became basically Brady's ashtray for 20 years, but not that day. Lawyer Malloy gets a sack of Brady. He does his sack celebration, pumping the fist like the engineer in the train, and I'm like, that's our celebration. You do that in our uniform. And I, don't stop that, Lawyer Malloy. Brady back to throw, rolls to the right, hit and sacked at the five-yard line by Lawyer Malloy. Don't you dare, don't, you be nice to Brady. That's your best friend. It hurt. Christian Fourier, University of Colorado. Losing the way we did in such embarrassing fashion in Buffalo was not necessarily a wake-up call, but it was like, holy crap. It just, things got out of hand quick and everybody let their emotions get the best of them. Lawyer Malloy. For me individually, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be okay. You know, um, because no, no matter how how good you are individually, how strong you are as a, as a man, like when you go through something life changing like that, like there, there's some uncertainty, right? So us going out, me going out and, and really being around a bunch of strangers, um, having two days to prepare um, for, for anybody, let alone your, 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 the team you just left. Um, I mean, there was, I was in a, 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 not a new city I was sleeping in a new bed. Like it was all, all those things factored into it. So when we won, it was, it was more just confirmation. Like, yeah, lawyer, that, that sucked, but you're going to be okay. Scott Pioli. But one of the worst parts of that game was not only the beating, but after the beating, when you used to leave the old Buffalo Bills stadium, I would go out with the coaches and we would all go down together as a group. And they would be waiting with these golf carts to drive you down through the crowd to get to the elevator. And those people, they were mean as snakes, man. It was, it was ugly. I just screamed and say, F*** you, Tom Brady! I broke my beer on him. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. I think that cut the cord. That was a tough game for us. And, you know, as, as quickly as I could, getting over the loss of lawyer and you love the guy. But look at that. He's over there on the other sideline, pumping his elbow up and down, all of his celebration and beating us. So it's like, okay, let's get over that because... That was a conflicting day because Drew was also over there. And I'm seeing guys that I went to, to two Super Bowls with in Drew Bledsoe in 96 when we lost to the Packers when it was pre-Brady. So it's like you're emotionally attached to guys. But then when you see them kick your ass, it's like, all right, screw them and let's move on. You know, So that sort of helped, I guess, getting beat the way we did. With the fans and media wondering if the Patriots were already ready to fold their 2003 season, New England headed to Philadelphia to try and get their season back on track while the media pondered if the team was turning on its coach. This is SportsCenter. I, I want to say this very clearly. They hate their coach. Rodney Harris, Western Illinois. Well, to us, it wasn't controversy because it was someone saying something outside of our locker room. And although it was early in the season, it really was just what we needed to come together. It was that little spark that we needed just to be able to come together and really bind as a team. And that's what we did. We said, man, I hate Coach Belichick. We're the ones out there playing. 
yeah, the coaches could have probably done a better job of preparing us for that game. But ultimately, we're the ones out there playing. So it was, it's like we're, we kind of laughed at it. It was like, OK, if, if this is what they think we are, we're going to bind together and we're going to go on a run. And that's exactly what we did. We went on a run. Deion Brent, Louisville. Moving forward to the Philly game, that was a pretty good game. Uh, clearly, it's not the way we want to start the season. But that was a good game to bounce back on. But uh, we got that payback, that get back at the end of the year. Nick Fitzy Stevens, as became the norm that season early on, like there was another major injury, like Teddy Johnson broke his leg, I believe. Mike Compton got hurt early. And then the high-priced free agent, Roosevelt Colvin, breaks his hip in a game where he gets a sack and looks like a quality addition. McNabb back to throw, goes to the left with it. He's buried. Loses ball the is ball. loose. Everybody chasing after it. And who has Patriots. it? Patriots. The Patriots recover. Roosevelt Colvin recovered it, and he is limping off the field. Now he's toast for the season as well, so it felt like at the start of the 2003 season, the Patriots just couldn't catch a break. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. So we go into Philly, and I had a pretty good game. The Donovan McNabb, Harrison showing blitz. Back to throw McNabb. Steps, fires, picked off. Teddy Bruschi, he will walk into the end zone. Touchdown. Yeah, I mean, we were all over Donovan McNabb. Ball disruption all over the place. And, and I finished it with the pick six, like you said. But in the locker room after that, I truly felt that we had moved on with Rodney, with Ted Washington, who was an absolute luxury to play behind as a linebacker when you don't get touched because this guy is just taking two three I mean two guards in a center and you just get to run around so the transition was made after that victory I believe Matt Chatham we, we were as good a group as you'll find you know throughout the years relative to guys that can do that job alone um, so we were tough yeah I mean it's yeah, of course you got to face uh, you know a, a, a growing in this league Tom Brady and all that and the, the, the challenges that our offense gave people and our defense was loaded too. But when when the Patriots were on your schedule, you were facing one of the best special teams groups that you're going to face. Ken Walter to punt from his own 23. High in the air, a real boomer. Westbrook settles under it, drops the ball, it's on the ground. Philadelphia goes after it, the Patriots go after it, inside the 15-yard line, and let's see who has it. Patriots recover at the Philadelphia 14-yard line. We're a little bit unique. I mean, I'm a 250-plus guy, and I can run, and I love to hit. And if you had me that week, you're going to get hit. And we're crazy physical. I mean, we, we forced a lot of rule changes in the box on special teams between Larry and myself and, and Double D, and, you know, just basically on punt returns, uh, you know, assaulting people, you know. And, and, and clearing big lanes for Troy Brown. I mean, I, I, we knew we were really good. I know everyone had to face us knew it as well, and we knew we were going to affect games every week. Christian Fourier, University of Colorado. Going on the road and beating Philly, definitely it was like, okay, there's a hint of what we can do. There's like a little, little, little glimpse of what is possible if we just all kind of have a good practice and do the right things, don't turn it over, everybody gets their blocks. Um, so that was definitely... Like something that I, I think we all felt like, okay, this is this is how it should feel. Brady, play action. Christian, euphoria. There is euphoria in New England. But it still was only the second game of the season. So we had no clue what, what or who we were. The Patriots would return to Foxborough for their home opener against the Jets and continue to find their winning formula. Rookie Asante Samuel had a pick six, but the injuries continued to mount, with both Ted Washington and David Patton leaving the game and Brady battling through an elbow injury. New England's stout defense again won the day, 
holding the Jets to just one of 13 on third down. Patriots with the ball at the Jet 24-yard line. The Patriots will improve to 2-1 on the season, and the Jets will fall to 0-3. Brady takes the knee, tosses the ball back to the referee, and that's all she wrote. Now the Patriots win the home opener. It was a nail-biter, but they win it. With the final score, the New England Patriots 23, the New York Jets 16. That's it from Foxborough. But the Pats would backslide against Washington, despite holding quarterback Patrick Ramsey to just 10 of 22 for 147 yards. Brady had three interceptions, and Kevin Falk had a fumble as turnovers did the Patriots in, leaving them to wonder what kind of team they were going to be in 2003. Scott Pioli. And that loss to, to Washington was you know, just frustrating on a lot of levels. Again, it was a team that we were better than, a game we should have won. We were distracted and we were sitting there two and two. What are we going to do? When we lost to the Redskins, I I remember going, this is horrible. How did we lose to this team? Nothing went right. Fourth and three for the Patriots, trailing by three. 45 seconds left. Three receivers to the right for Brady. Takes the snap. Looking, looking. Fires down the field. It is incomplete intended for Daniel Graham. Broken up by Efeyani Ohalahe. And the Washington Redskins will take over on down. So the Patriots' opportunity goes by the boards. They had a chance and couldn't make it work. We are getting a, we started accumulating a ton of injuries. Guys are dropping like flies. And here we have to play at home against the Titans. And I remember going, listen, we got to get our act together. And I remember walking off the field with Brady, talking with him, and we were just, just confused why we were so bad. Why were we two and two? Paul Perillo. They had a fourth down pass that, that Tom, I think Tom tried to hit Daniel Graham incomplete. And you're like, did we just lose to Washington? And Washington, I think, you know, I don't think that Washington was very good that year. Um, and they're two and two. And you're, you're starting to think, well, the aberration was what happened in 01. This is reality. Nine and seven last year, two and two this year. They're, they're, they're okay. They're a good team, but they're not one of the best teams in football, and they never lost again. At two and two and wondering which direction their season was going to go, the Patriots welcomed an AFC powerhouse, the Tennessee Titans, who featured Steve McNair in the midst of an MVP season and a 12 and four finish. A couple of teams that, uh, well, that know a bit in recent years about getting to the Super Bowl, at least, and one of them that was won one in recent years, the Patriots and Bill Belichick going against the Titans and Coach Jeff Fisher. It was a defining game, pointing the Patriots on the path to victory that would not end until October of 2004. Scott Pioli. I remember going into that game where, you know, the team knew, everyone in the organization knew that, hey, this is time to stand up. Like you say, that was a pretty good Tennessee team. I mean... You know, we knew that we had to stand up at that moment because it was going to, I don't want to say it was going to define the season, but it was going to give us an idea of who we were and what we were. Nick Fitzy Stevens. In the 2003 season, one of my all-time favorite memories of watching sports with my dad, not just the Patriots, but sports with my dad in Braintree. I was home from New York uh, for the weekend, and I, uh, the Red Sox were playing the Oakland Athletics in the American League Divisional Series. And Sunday, the two and two Patriots have a massive home game against the Tennessee Titans, Steve McNair here at Gillette Stadium. This is a big one for the Patriots and they have to uh, be ready to challenge this uh, very physical Tennessee team, especially on defense. And guess who's got the best 
road record since 1995. The Tennessee Titans 38-28. So you've got a playoff game at Fenway, and you've got basically like a almost playing for your season type of game to what would ultimately start a huge win streak for the Patriots at Gillette. So Boston was just on. This was the hub of the American sports world on that Sunday. McNair takes the direct snap. Bean Rush fires to the right. Picked up. Ty Law left side. He's going to go all the way. Ty Law. A pass interception return. Touchdown Patriots. And the Pats get the first turnover and make it count. And I remember like the Patriots made a pivotal play to seal the deal and win the game, a shootout against the Titans, 38-30. to 30. A, 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 An absolute regular season classic. Christian Fourier, University of Colorado. So when we beat the Titans, I remember walking off the field and saying, this is what it takes, this is what it should feel like. Now we know exactly what we need to, to what, how much work we need to put in, how we need to stay mentally focused during the game, how hard we needed to work. That was, it, that was an example of what it should look like and and I think from there on, there was there was no looking back. That's why I personally feel like everything flipped as far as just what we were capable of doing. A week after tossing three picks against Washington, Tom Brady hit Troy Brown for a 58-yard touchdown. Brady back to throw, stands in, stands in, shoots it long, and deep. Troy Brown, he's got it at the five, and he's in. Touchdown, what a great throw. Tylock closed things out with a 64-yard pick six. As the formula for success, Timely big plays and a tenacious defense started to emerge. Rodney Harrison, Western Illinois. Man, I tell you, that's where I really got to know Tom. That's when I got a chance to really see how competitive and how fiery he is. Got play tougher, harder, tougher, everything. Because as nice as he is off the, he was he was a jerk on the field. Hey, you gotta be perfect, all right? Like he was yelling and cussing and mad because we're jamming his receivers in a red zone. MF and us, and he was just a competitive son of a gun, you know, and I loved it. Come on now, we ain't done. We talked about that. I was like, wow, this is our quarterback. That's awesome. He's yelling and cussing at us. That's great. Once he got to a certain point there about the midseason of the 03 season, and then in the playoffs, and then from then on, it was his level of performance and play and consistency was at the very top of the league. That formula continued against the Giants the following week. As the Patriots offense stumbled out of the gate, outgained 199 to 29 in the first half alone. Toss sweep left side to Tiki Barber. Hit in the back to the fumble in the play. Barber picked up by the Patriots. Heading down the right sideline, Matt Chatham. He's going to go in. Touchdown. But they used another defensive score and a whopping four interceptions to knock off New York and improve to four and two. It is intercepted. Picked off by Patriot Rodney Harrison at the 14-yard line. His fires. It is intercepted. Picked off by Tyrone Harrison. Harris comes on the near side. Harrison is knocked out of bounds on the near side. With just eight completions for 112 yards, it was Tom Brady's least productive day of the season. But with solid special teams and defense, the Pats won their second straight. Well, we got a game and a half right here, folks. It's the uh, New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. And uh, first place in the uh, Eastern Division hinges on who comes out of here victoriously. In week seven, a battle for the AFC East was fought in Miami, a historically tough place to play for the Patriots, against a 4-1 Dolphins team looking to assert their own dominance over the division. Scott Pioli, Patriots Director of Player Personnel. It, it was huge. It, it was a big moment for a lot of reasons because, you know, as you mentioned, it was 
you know, I know it was like, I want to say it was the middle of October-ish, but we had usually, you know, we were so used to being down there for the first game and then having them back, and we had struggled in Miami. And um, the, the fact was that, you know, again, we were we were this team that was tr still trying to sort it out. Again, we knew we were good, but we didn't know if we were going to be good. Karen Garigian, the Boston Herald. You know, Miami was the team, you know, and they just, they couldn't beat them, whether it was in Miami or in New England, but especially in Miami. As we were talking about it earlier, that the uh, the record the Miami Dolphins enjoy down here, really in their favor, uh, to a point where it uh, doesn't seem like it really should be that way, but we have to go on what history has shown us. The way they won that game, uh, Again, I do think it was a catalyst for them going forward. Nick Fitzy Stevens, Patriots fan and personality. One of my favorite games, not just of 2003, but all time, was week seven down in Miami. Everybody knows Miami, or at least playing down in Miami, is the clown outside Bill Belichick's window. They can not only never win in Miami, it seems, but they play so terribly. They have how many decades of head scratching so it was a low scoring affair and the pats you know like to prove that you're something and to run the division they needed to go to miami and win it was another low scoring affair as the two teams went to overtime tied at 13 setting the stage for one of the most infamous throws of tom brady's career brady with one long setback spins pump fakes looking over the middle now nobody there now he shoots it long and deep for troy brown he's got it he's got it to the 15 to the 10 touchdown. to the 5 touchdown 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 tom brady a 92 yard touchdown pass to troy brown paul perillo patriots football weekly one of the most underrated throws of tom brady's career if you go back and look at that the, the footwork of him sliding in the pocket, backing up to buy some time, never taking his eyes off the the, the uh, intended receiver downfield, and throwing an absolutely perfect bomb for a touchdown. Tom Brady working his way in position to just lob up a long pass. Troy Brown looked like he was covered. He separated from both of those guys at the last minute. A perfectly thrown pass. Troy Brown did not miss a stride. And you know if he's going to touch the ball, he's going to catch it. And then he pulled away from them to go all the way for the distance to score the touchdown. I still say, through his absolute best pass of all time, this 60-yard laser, a freaking laser. I mean, this thing was a dart, a seed. It was perfect. Right for the jugular. Brady, Troy Brown, and Van the Renown. Good. Go all the way. 82 yards. Patriots win. 19-13 on the bomb. And it just sails over everybody and lands in the outstretched hands of Troy Brown, streaking down the left sideline, running through Joe Robbie Stadium, which had the outline of the Marlins uh, infield in it as well and everything and Brown scores. And the Patriots win in overtime! Oh, baby! What a win! What a win! We had them all the way. Oh, my, oh, my! I remember uh, Dick Enberg was on the call for CBS. He just lost his mind. Look at him storm the field! A remarkable victory by New England! And then Brady's freaking out, and Belichick, I'm not sure if Belichick's headset, which he threw up into the air, has landed yet. The streak is over. Bill Belichick's team, which lost 31 to nothing, the first game of the year at Buffalo, is in first place. But to him, winning in Miami, winning in 
the, the forbidden zone, if you will, in the upside down of football for the Patriots was just massive. Tom Brady, by the way, is the guy that some people say can't throw the ball long. Excuse me, folks. He can throw it long. Tom Brady, 92-yard touchdown pass to Troy Brown at the 5.45-minute mark of overtime, and the Patriots are in first place in the AFC East despite all the injuries. What a great coaching job by Bill Belichick and his staff. Christian Fourier, University of Colorado. And now listen, I also told you that I, 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 I would not have gotten a touchdown. Okay, there was a full-on check release on my part. Two tight ends set. Dan, was, Dan Graham was right behind me. I was open, and I wouldn't have gotten a touchdown. I would have moved the chains. Absolutely would have moved the chains, but we probably would have, you know, probably had to kick a field goal. It was not a, It would not have been a touchdown. Scott Pioli. I spent every game in the coach's booth sitting right next to Ernie Adams, and, you know, we, we, we all had jobs while we were up there, and I just remember that moment and happening, you know, going through the almost going through the roof because it was we saw it unfolding we saw it happening and it was you know and in those moments your mind your mind is split and part of your mind is sending you the visual of the play being completed the other part of your mind is showing the the visual of the play not working out and it was one of those moments where it, it, that was a critical win for us again Miami was a pretty good team then too so a, a big win but again, the fashion in which we did it was really important too, I think. Paul Perillo. Patriots earned that victory in every way that you could possibly do it. And to have it happen down there, Mike, where so many bad things had happened, you know, even before and since. It was just kind of like this one year where we're going to go down there and no matter what they do, we're going to find a way to come away. We're the final score. The Patriots 19, the Dolphins 13 in overtime. That's it from Miami. The season back on track after the thrilling win in Miami. The Patriots returned to Gillette Stadium where they suffocated the Browns with another stellar defensive effort that included three sacks from Mike Vrabel, who returned from an earlier injury. There's the snap, here's the rush, rolls to the right, got to be hit and sacked back inside the 15-yard line by Mike Vrabel. For the second time in three games, the Pats' D did not allow a touchdown befuddling both Browns quarterbacks, Tim Couch and Kelly Holcomb. And the Patriots win by the count of 9-3, to three, and the Patriots are now 6-2. If Miami had been New England's house of horrors, Denver wasn't far behind. And in 2003, the 5-3 Broncos were ready to ruin the Patriots' win streak on Monday Night Football. The temperature for free, though, is 32 degrees here in Denver, and we're ready for Monday Night Football. The Patriots and the Denver Broncos. It was a game that would be forever remembered for how it highlighted Bill Belichick's mastery of situational football. It would be just New England's second win in 14 games in Denver. Karen Garigian. It doesn't matter if they had six Super Bowls or none. Uh, those are two of the toughest venues. One, you know, Miami because of the heat. And people just aren't used to humidity in December and January or November or whenever it is. And then, of course, the altitude in Denver. You know, plus, they had good teams. You know, even if you took the altitude out of it, uh, it would still be tough for them to, to win there. Toss the coin. The Patriots had the call. They called heads. And guess what? They came up tails. They lost again. Nick Fitzy Stevens. The signature genius of Bill Belichick's coaching and why he and Brady together were just the perfect ultimate winning combo in the NFL was the Monday night game in Denver. Fourth down and the Patriots are forced to punt from the back of the end zone. Yeah, they just teed off on uh, the Patriots that time defensively and squeezed 
Tom Brady to a point where he just had everyone in his face. And then they had his arm hit as he threw the ball or got hit in the chest as he was throwing the ball. The Patriots are losing by, I think, three or four points late in the game. And Belichick has to punt the ball back uh, to the Broncos and has makes this crazy decision to have the ball snapped out of the end zone. High snap. It's a, it's a safety. They were going to do the goal the post. So they give them a safety. They were punting basically from like their own five. So instead of giving the ball back to the Broncos with good field position where a drive with a field goal would basically ice the game, he has the long snapper sail it into the stands and it ends up bouncing off the crossbar. And everyone's like, what, what is he doing? Oh, Gino, you think that was the uh, smart choice to make there rather than take a chance that it was blocked? I'll let you know after the outcome. Oh, very clever. So he trusts his defense. Now you get to kick off. You get to do the drop punt from the 20. So now they push Denver way further back down the field. They get the three and out stop they need. Brady gets the ball back with like a minute 15. And what does he do? Tom Brady things. Waiting the snap on first and 10 at the Denver 18. He's got it. Looking to the throw. Fires to the left. Caught. David Gibbons. Touchdown. Tom Brady. 18 yards to David Gibbons with 30 seconds to go. Everyone's stunned, and the announcer's now catching on to the classic chess move that Belichick made. Brady throws a dart to the front corner of the end zone to David Gibbons. Touchdown, Patriots. They win the game. That's when we knew, yeah. I know when this season's going to end, late January or early February. Paul Perillo. I mean, that was one of those you started to say, hey, this is getting a little like 01. You know, we're finding ways to, you know, weird weird things are happening late in the game. And people remember the safety. They don't remember the free kick that was misplayed by Denver, which backed them up, you know, deep in their own territory, made it much more difficult to squeak out a first down and run the clock out. Deion Brett, Louisville. Well, I think overall, we, we, we prided ourselves on being the number one team, the situational football team you know, been the smartest team. And we proved that week in, week out. We know going into the game exactly what the game plan is and who's gonna go out here and actually initiate. And we're gonna actually apply this game plan the way it's taught to us. Uh, both of those games, tough games, divisional game with Miami. Uh, Denver was another tough game as well. This was just situational football that we practice each and every day, all day practice. You know, we may go through a whole practice and it's all situational football. You know, Coach Belichick is just challenging us. I think the practices were way more harder than the game. And it made us that much more alert and aware once we got in these situations in the game. The Patriots came out of their bye 7-2 and two and on a five-game winning streak, including wins over three significant conference rivals, two of which came on the road. But a familiar face to many on New England greeted them out of the bye as Bill Parcells made his debut against the Pats as the new head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. You're not talking about two social butterflies anyway. No. I mean, uh, you know, Bill Parcells is focused on this football game, as is Bill Belichick. They both know what's at stake. You don't want to get lost in this thing between the coaches and realize that these are two 7-2 and two football teams. The formula for victory continued, this time with the Patriots' defense pitching their first shutout in 130 games while the offense made the most of two explosive passing plays from Brady. The Dallas game was interesting because it was Parcells and, and Belichick, and I remember they had the, the iconic um, you know, shot before the game of Parcells like in the background kind of looming, and it's like, you know, these guys going to talk to each other. Ended up being obviously much ado about nothing. And as Paul McGuire said earlier in the week, neither one of them are going to make a tackle tonight. Just one of those defensive battles. I don't think either team really played all that well that night. But the Patriots had control of the game. Harder calling signals. 
Carter. Handoff comes to Hambrick. Stuffed in the backfield by Teddy Bruschi. Matt Chatham. I think this happens not just for us, but for a lot of teams that have had a championship and then been away from it for a bit and then still have a lot of the people in the room that have tasted that. Uh, I think you kind of learn what it takes. You know what works and you know when it's not working. And you, it started to build just that we're doing the little things. Like you mentioned earlier, Mike, there's a lot of really tight contest where it's just a situational execution or not that's deciding these games. On first down, Carter play action fake. Here's a rush. Gets rid of the ball. It is intercepted. Picked off by Tyler at the 19-yard line. When you start doing that consistently, yeah, that feel sort of starts to rise in the room. You know, the guys that have been through this before, you can kind of sort of wink and nod and go, it's happening again. You know, this we're doing what it takes. And yeah, I think that's, that's definitely a feeling that... Uh, that many of the guys in that room were familiar with, and the handful of new faces were, were uh, you know, hungry to get to taste themselves. Carter takes the snap, back to throw, stands in there, stands in there, going to be sacked. Finally, they got to him, back at the 24. The makeup of the team was really rare. You know, it wasn't a team with one or two big guys on each side of the ball and, and Bill. It was like six, seven guys that are just like venerable old heads, uh, the kind of guy you, you know, hand off your daughter to kind of thing you know like like people that could be trusted with the organization if bill needed to take a week off like it, it's going to keep rolling and i don't mean that as a shot of bill i just mean that like he built it that way he built it so there was just so many good leaders uh, accountable people in their own right uh, on you know all three in all three phases and it becomes i think uh, much more easy to win when the buy-in and people who don't need to be motivated by someone else they're all kind of working together against the texans brady would have his biggest passing yardage day of the season throwing for 368 yards and two touchdowns but also throwing two interceptions back to throw is brady on third and ten gets rid of the football and is intercepted picked off at the 40 yard line of the 35 to the 30 to the right side of the 20 and hauled down inside the 15 yard line the pass intercepted by Marcus Coleman. Adam Finitieri missed a field goal and had another blocked as miscues kept the game close, despite Kevin Falk outgaining Houston all by himself. Play action fake Brady rolls to his right, throws it back to the left, it is caught by Falk. He's across the 50 45, left side 40 at the 35, on his feet at the 30, inside the 30 to the 26 yard line. A great piece of running by Kevin Falk. Brady calling signals. Brady on the give to Kevin Falk. He's got the first down to the 31-yard line. Brady out of a shotgun. Three receivers to the near side right. In motion to the left goes Branch. Back in motion to the right comes Branch. Direct snap to Brady. Stands in there. Flips it left. It's a screen to Kevin Falk. He's at the 30-yard line. Left side at the 25. He's at the 20-yard line. Outside of the 15-yard line and knocked out of bounds at the 13-yard line of Houston. Brady and Vinatieri would make amends. With Brady leading a game-tying 80-yard touchdown drive at the end of regulation, and Vinatieri delivering the game-winning overtime kick in the same stadium where he'd make an eventual Super Bowl-winning kick. Paul Perillo. The Houston game's another one of those that you said, this this season's different. Uh, fourth down, double catches by Graham in the end zone just to get it to overtime. Right to left goes Fourier. Hand off to no one. Brady rolls right. Looks right. Looks, looks. Fires end zone. Touchdown! Great leaping catch in the end zone by Daniel Graham. Again, uh, the the Texans, I believe, took over um, in overtime in Patriots territory, like at the 40, 
and didn't move an inch, couldn't even kick a field goal, and ultimately you end up winning. Ball on the far hash mark, the angle to the right for Adam Vinatieri. 28-yard field goal attempt to try to win it in overtime. Awaiting the snap from Lonnie Paxton is Ken Walter. Set to go. Snap. Ball down. Kick is up. Kick is on the way. And the kick is good. Patriots win in overtime. And I think that's the last time, Mike, they trailed in that season before the Super Bowl. In the same stadium, by the way. Week 11 featured the biggest and most memorable game of the 2003 regular season. A matchup against two 9-2 teams with the Patriots heading to Indy to face Peyton Manning and a high-powered Colts offense in what would develop into the greatest rivalry of the decade. Bill Belichick's Patriots have won seven in a row. Peyton Manning has had four and four against Belichick coach teams over the years. Nick Fitzy Stevens. They're stacking wins, a few snoozers, but it's a W, it's a W, it's a W. Wow, this team's really onto something. And if they're going to get there, they're going to have to test their mettle and face who would ultimately become the best rival for Tom Brady in what I think is inarguably the greatest quarterback versus quarterback rivalry competition relationship of all time, Brady Manning. November 30th, they go to Indianapolis, and this game of many between Brady Manning is an all-time classic. Back and forth. Brady out of a shotgun has a fault to his left in the backfield. Third and seven direct snap to Brady. Stands in there, stands in there, fires, it is caught, in stride, five, touchdown, Patriots, Diedrich Ward. Back and forth, direct snap to Manning, fires toward the end zone, it is caught, touchdown, keeping his feet inbound, was wide receiver Reggie Wayne. Score, score, score. Brady on the play action fake, fires to the right, open, touchdown, touchdown to Deion Branch. I still remember I was at a bar in Quincy with like my dad, my brother, some of my best friends, and it was just apps and beer and back and forth and yes and son of a no don't yeah throw it to he's open just at this massive loud emotional affair everyone was so into this game and on fourth down when Willie McGinnis who definitely was a little bit offsides but I don't care because my team won when he comes around the edge and gets the edge and stops Edgerin James short of getting like the fourth down to be able to, to drive it into the end zone. Fourth down, 15 seconds to go, the handoff to Edgerin. Stop, he stopped, he is stopped! Willie McGinnis Willie made McGinnis. the at the one yard line! Would you believe it? Willie McGinnis coming around the edge, stopping Edgerin James, sealing the win. I can still see him running down the field, high step and pumping his fist. So fourth and goal. Willie McGinnis, who limped off a couple plays earlier, makes the stop. This season doesn't just feel special, it feels extra special. Like, we all thought we were plugged into yet another moment. And the conversation really now began, like, can these guys go back and win another Super Bowl? Like Karen Garigian. I think the Colts thought he was feigning injury on that. Um, I don't know if Willie has ever admitted that. Um, but still, and and the kicker of all was him making the pl- the last play, <laughs> fourth and one, <laughs> you know. So I think, I, it, I mean, it was just it was great theater. It was suspense. It was, and again, early on in Peyton Manning's career, he just could not beat the Patriots. No matter what, he could not beat the Patriots, and that had to just eat away at him you know especially there he was all he needed was a yard to finally get over the hump 
And nope, the Patriots defense did not budge. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. Yeah, I mean, our defense, we, we really started to turn into something that, like you said, the best that we had here. I mean, just stopping them the way we did on that fourth down. I mean, because the Colts, I think they, they ended up trying to, to be pretend tough guys, and they wanted to run the football in. And... I mean, I think I made a stop on second down, um, third down came. Like Ted Johnson was huge on that series also. And, of course, Ted Washington. Everybody gives Willie McGinnis the credit, but Ted Washington, if you look, there's a helmet that just pops out out, out of nowhere through under the scrum, and he takes, I think it was Edgerin James, right? Edgerin James low, and then Willie comes and finishes him off. So Ted Washington was really one of our MVPs of that season. And that game, man, you just start to feel things that on that streak to, I think it was winning 21 games in a row. Scott Pioli. It was one of those things because we were, we were we had start we had built some real confidence, right? In, in what this football team was. We knew they were a good team. We knew we were a good team. We knew that there were certain things that we had to do in terms of ball control. You know, some of the thought many years when playing the Colts, you know, because of their offense and Peyton Manning, but sometimes our our best defense was going to be our offense and ball control and keeping them off the field, and that was a a, a big moment. You know, it seemed like we had a couple of big moments. I felt like there were things that happened, like you mentioned the the the, the goal line stand. There were moments within that game where like, okay, we we can not only play the big boys, we are one of the big boys, and that's kind of what that game felt like. Was that that was a heavyweight match now and. and you know, fortunately, we were able to score a bunch of points as well. Now alone atop the AFC, the Patriots' next order of business was closing out their second AFC East title in three seasons. And they do it in snowy conditions that provided the perfect atmosphere for taking on a team from Miami. The snow is coming down. The wind is blowing. It's uh, nice and cold. Uh, a nice greeting to extend to the Miami Dolphins in coming here. And uh, this is what it's all about right now. Teddy Bruschi's late-game pick six sealed the win. The packed stadium crowd launching snowballs into the air in celebration. Miami comes out of the huddle. Chambers far side right. Near side left is Thompson. In motion right to left. The left to right rather goes McMichael. Back to throw Fiedler on first down. Fires. Intercepted. Touchdown. Teddy Bruschi. Intercepted. Touchdown. Teddy Bruschi. It was one of the most iconic moments from the 2003 season and in Patriots history. It was the defense's second shutout in four weeks and the first sustained by Miami in 32 games. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. Probably one of my favorite play as, as a Patriot and doing that in the snow because first of all, playing New England and playing the elements, you gotta be able to make plays in them. And we prided ourselves on that, especially myself. And the snow was coming down. I had Ricky Williams in man-to-man coverage and he went to, his, he went to the defensive left for protection and then I, my, my eyes were on him, but he he ended up protecting, helping protect on the edge. And I looked back to, to Fiedler, and he's throwing a slant right behind me. And I just jumped up. I, I sort of jumped up and raised and, and caught it and, went, and, and slid, of course, in the end zone because it was only about six yards, thank goodness. And Matt Chatham slaps me on the back of the helmet, and I, it just woke me up right away while I was still on my knees with the ball out, and everybody starts throwing snow up in the air. He caught it at about the four or five-yard line and just waltz into the end zone, and the fans are throwing snow into the air. As long as they don't throw it in here. <laughs> Vrabel talks, comes up to me on the sideline and says, look what you did. 
and I, and I look up in the stands and they're still throwing it up in the air. It was it was one of the best moments that we ever had. I mean, as a team, actually, because of that celebration, the fans were great. Snow is flying everywhere. What a sight. Wow. What a sight. Nick Fitzy Stevens. You know you're a team of destiny when not only do you defeat the Miami Dolphins the way they did in overtime in the fall, but when they beat the Dolphins a second time in that vintage affair. In the history of iconic moments at Gillette Stadium, the Teddy Bruschi interception off Jay Fiedler and the snow fireworks instantly isn't just top five, like it's on the medal stand. Now, if it's like silver, bronze, gold, what, what have you, like that is a top three, top five at worst moment in the history of Gillette Stadium. Now Teddy Bruschi urging the crowd to whip it up. It's like the 2001 Patriots season was a movie that came out and people were stunned it was as good as it was. And then the 2002 season was like a meh sequel. 2003, I don't even know if this has ever happened in movies, where the third movie is almost every bit as good as the first one and may have actually ultimately been better. Karen Garigian. To be honest with you, I that was like one game. I, I lived like an hour away from the stadium. I didn't get there till halftime. <laughs> it was just, I mean, it was ridiculous. It was a blizzard. That made it all worthwhile. Trudging up to the press box, I was a mess. Uh, but seeing that at the end of the game, uh, I mean, it was like Christmas. <laughs> With nine straight wins and a division title wrapped up, the Patriots set their sights on getting the top seed in the AFC by closing out the Jaguars and Jets with two more strong defensive performances. 5.56 to go, direct snap to left, which looks, fires right, intercepted, Tyrone Poole again, left side, 25, 20, at the 15, at the 10, at the 5, and brought down at the one-yard line. Against the Jets, they'd also add their fifth pick six of the season, as they intercepted Chad Pennington five times en route to their 13th win of the year. Jets with third and two at their own 15. Big third down play here early in the game. Martin the lone running back. In motion from left to right goes Baker the tight end. Back to the left. Back to throw. Pennington throws. Tipped in the air. Picked off. William McGinnis. He is going to run it in for a touchdown. Scott Pioli. It's a fine line. Well, I don't think we ever went into the game saying, oh, yeah, we just do this. We're going to be this. It's like, no, it's going to take a lot of work. This is what the way we have to attack it. Um, and then things happen within games that you, you know, that, that make you alter, you know, and I think that was, again, another one of the things that Bill and the staff really did a great job of was you, they went into games, not with a system, you know, the system was that we were going to do what we had to do that specific week. But I, I, I don't think that, I don't ever, I think to be honest, I don't ever remember feeling, you know, like that, yeah, if we do this, we got this. I, I just... You know, every game I felt like at some, I always felt like I was going to throw up in my mouth at some point. The Patriots would close out the regular season the same way they started it, facing the Buffalo Bills. But this time, it was far from the disjointed team that was blown out 31-0 in the opener on the heels of Lawyer Malloy's release. This was the best team in the AFC that had won 11 straight games, and they were looking to avenge what went down in week one. Brady, play action fake, looks, fires end zone, touchdown, Daniel Graham. Oh, it could be picked off at eight. Intercepted on the far side of the field by Mike Bradle. At the 40, at the 35, and out of bounds on the far side of the field. At the 32-yard line goes Mike Bradle with a pass interception. Fires over the middle, caught by David Gibbons. Into the end zone. Touchdown. David Gibbons, great second ever. Scores his sixth touchdown of the season. Tom Brady has thrown four first-half touchdown passes. 
I knew there was an energy around the team that week, and there was there was a feeling of vengeance, you know, with our football team. That was one thing about our our team. They weren't those teams weren't just talented; they were extremely emotional. Um, and and they kept score, man. <laughs> there was guys, you know. There were some dudes that kept score of everything. Vrabel, McGinnis, and, and everything, even Big Ted. Nick Fitzy Stevens. So Buffalo comes back in for the regular season finale, and I'm sure Brady, Belichick, the Patriots, everyone in Pat's nation was thinking, all right, we owe him one. Time to put one back on the Bills. And it was a dominant affair. And they sealed what was ultimately a championship season, a 14-2 and run, by not only shutting out the Bills, but by literally delivering the exact same score that the Bills put on them in week one. I mean, poetry. The season ends with a spectacular finish by the Patriots. 31 to nothing over the Buffalo Bills. 12 wins in a row, 14 and two. Best team in the NFL heading to the playoff. At that point, playoff fever was sweeping through New England and delivering the 31 nothing victory against Buffalo was just the chef's kiss on such an incredible season. The Patriots have completed a miraculous regular season, a season that I'll tell you what, I'll never forget. Deion Brent, Louisville. But the funny part about it is, Buffalo was driving at the end of the game and all the starters were out the game. This wasn't uh, Coach Belichick's uh, doing, this was the players. You know, guys were on the sideline and you just see all the guys like, yo, yo, we're going back in the game. You know, Bill, take the guys out. We're going back in. And he's looking like, no, you guys stay on the sideline. Next thing you know, you see all the veteran guys run back on the field, shoulder pads barely strapped, helmets barely strapped, and they're running on the field to make sure we stop these guys because it's going to end the same way it started. You know, that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, we knew this team, this was the team, man, and we had to finish the job. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. We knew we were going in the playoffs at that point, but to finish it right, and we just understood how how bad it was, you know, in, the, in that in that week one, and and just the transformation we had, and then we saw the scoreboard, and now we were we were taken out of the game on defense and everyone else was in there. Larry Izzo, our special teams ace, was was playing linebacker for me in there and they were on they were in goal line defense and he ends up getting an interception to preserve the shutout. Play action fake to throw to the end zone. Ball intercepted in the end zone. Intercepted in the end zone by Larry Izzo. The Patriots preserve the shutout. We, we were celebrating like we won the Super Bowl right there because to start and finish that way it was like a, a sandwich of like everything going on in between of a successful season and to finish like that I think it was like you said poetic because then you see you know a lawyer and, and your teammate your former teammates afterwards and realize you know we're the ones that really got through it all the right way and we are proud about that Matt Chatham yeah the the end of that game was was amazing and i mean just the i don't know serendipity is the right word i'm not sure what it is but uh it's a big word uh but the, the, the point is the idea of the scores mirroring one another it being the same opponent it, it being at the front and back of the entire season it's just it, it almost seems like fake movie script kind of stuff to say that there was an emotional thing to all that i mean 
absolutely. I mean, the whole roster was was bought into the idea of keeping that score at that score, and it's sort of you know kind of as as teams kind of do when you're at one end, you kind of start to gather towards that end. And after Larry makes the awesome play, you know, the sidelines basically dumping out as we all start celebrating together. So that was really cool, and I mean, it just shows how close that that entire group had become. Paul Perillo, it was amazing. You know, the symmetry of of thirty one nothing, you know, thirty one nothing, and then again, bittersweet for me, Drew uh, throwing picks to Troy Brown you know, uh, a shell of himself. But um, again, you could see how how far they had come where not only they had sort of put that bitter start to the season behind them, but now they're just dominating. And like I said, you know, you go from, what was it? The Houston game was in November. So you go, you're talking about the last six weeks of the season through the playoffs without even trailing. Like so, you you kind of went from oh we're getting these breaks and we're finding ways to win games, to no one's even taking a lead on it. No one's even getting the opening kickoff, you know, getting a pass interference penalty and kicking a field goal to make it three nothing. Karen Gregian. Yeah, it was like the perfect bookend, and 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 it was illustrative of how far they had come from that first game. I mean, they were dominated in game one, but they dominated in the final game and you know as Bill Belichick's teams go or how he likes them to go he likes them to build toward you know playing their best football at the end of the season they won 12 straight after um, starting out two and two but again it matters more how they look in December and you know running the table at that point Again, was another great sign for them going forward into the playoffs and postseason. Scott Pioli. I, tell you, I think that was an exclamation point that really gave us a different kind of confidence. You know, we had confidence in the team, but it was like, okay, we get ready to roll into the playoffs, and this is who we are. We, we, we you know, it was a beatdown. That is all she wrote for 2003's regular season. Now it's on to the playoffs as the Patriots try to make it two Super Bowl championships in the last three years. On the next episode of 2003, the Super Sequel, the Patriots head to the playoffs to face back-to-back MVPs before taking part in one of the craziest Super Bowl games in NFL history. Join us next time on this Patriots Super Bowl Sound Odyssey.